Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about Axonix therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control, it gave me my life back. Axonix therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome back to this edition of the High Low Sports Podcast, the Thursday Checkdown. I'm DJ, and today we're going to be talking about NFL midseason awards, a big-time college football game that's, that you might not be aware of, and the NBA play, NBA season's underway. We'll take a look at a few different teams and how things are going for them. We'll start in the NFL, where we'll look at the midseason awards, and I'll start with the big one, MVP. The conversation's basically down between three guys now. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and, of course, Christian McCaffrey. Lamar Jackson has been absolutely sensational, the way he's, quote-unquote, revolutionized the quarterback position. And then you look at Russell Wilson, 22 touchdowns, two interceptions, unbelievable. Secondly, in passing yards, third, second or fourth, somewhere in that area. And then the guy who I think is MVP, Christian McCaffrey. He has been unbelievable so far. He is in second in the league in rushing right now. And he is also among the best receivers and top in total scrimmage yards. 
His numbers are very comparative to Chris Johnson when he was with the Titans that year. He was an MVP level player. And then he just and then McCaffrey, almost a thousand yards rushing already with eleven touchdowns. He has almost four hundred yards receiving with three touchdowns. He has been a monster throughout the year. He's carried this Carolina team even when Cam Newton went down. His projected numbers, when I look at them, projected to have almost 1,800 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns, 800, sorry, 700 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. He's been an absolute monster, and if they somehow make the playoffs, I don't think it'll be a debate. But right now, I still think he leads the MVP conversation just because what he's doing is not only unprecedented, it's all-time great. Which goes to Offensive Player of the Year. This kind of, for me, is between Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, more or less like the MVP runner-up. And I'm going to give the slight edge to Lamar Jackson right now. Russell Wilson's been the man. He's been probably the best thrower of the football this year as far as when you look at the numbers. But Lamar Jackson's just a hes a monster in the open field. He's probably the best open field runner in football besides like Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and those guys. But he's so fast. He's so agile. And he has uh, some big signature wins. This is really splitting hairs here. But when I've seen Lamar Jackson do on both passing and running, I'm going to give him the edge for Offensive Player of the Year, especially if they manage to clinch maybe his first-round bye or one of those top couple seeds. That'll be a it's, – it's splitting hairs. I, it's hard not to choose Russell Wilson for any of these awards as well too. I'm just giving Lamar the slight edge basically based on their last performance where Lamar absolutely has killed a Cincinnati team where Russell played pretty terrible – not terrible, but not so great against the 49ers but made it just enough plays to win. Defensive Player of the Year – this one's a little different compared to previous years. Like last year, we had Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, guys that were just terrorizing the league by storm. This year, we don't really have those guys. So who I'm looking at for Defensive Player of the Year, he's a former Miami Dolphin who got traded midseason to the Steelers. Not even midseason, early season. Minka Fitzpatrick. He's tied for the league in interceptions with five interceptions. He has two forced fumbles, eight passes defended, almost 50 tackles, He's even returned one for a touchdown They took 96 yards against the Colts that flipped that game on its head. He's been an absolute monster since he went to the Steelers, and he's changed that team. They were dead in the water when they traded a first-round pick for him, and I can't think of maybe one person who said this was a great trade for them. Everyone was complaining, saying it was a bad idea, that they're wasting away. They need a quarterback. Ben's gone. They've won, I think, five in a row. That defense is the best in the league at takeaways. He's made that secondary. He's basically brought an attitude a charisma and now they you don't even want to throw on them because you're scared it's going to get taken away plus with tj watt and those guys in the front seven now you have that little bit of extra back end coverage this is going to be one of the best defenses in football by the time by the end of the season just because of what minka fitzpatrick has done for that secondary and if they make the playoffs as well i don't see why this would even be a debate honestly because there's been some good guys like stefan gilmore has been really really good i mean Nick Bosa has been really good. Miles Garrett's been really, really good. There's been plenty of guys that are really good, but I think what Minka has done, plus he has the numbers to back it up, I think this is this is the guy this year unless something changes in the second half of the season. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think, is kind of a consensus now, but at the start of the season, everyone was kind of, I'm not saying writing him off, but I don't think anyone saw him being this good. Josh Jacobs, he's been He's been everything John Gruden needs at running back to run his old 1990s West Coast Spider 2 Y Banana type offense. He's been a workhorse for him. He's been a breakaway threat. He can catch the ball. He's strong. He's hard to take down. He's been able to help them control the clock and make things easy for Derek Carr to get the ball out of his hands quick, stand in there strong, have his ridiculously high completion percentage. 
So I think Josh Jacobs takes the nod for Offensive Rookie of the Year so far. And Defensive Rookie of the Year, I think we all are kind of in consensus agreement. It's Nick Bosa. He's basically made himself look really smart for sitting out and quitting on Ohio State halfway through the season last year. He's coming to the league, taking it by storm as well. He's a sack machine. He stops the run. He's terrorizing quarterbacks. He's even making fun of Dak Prescott with his little hip thrust thing and planting the flag on Baker Mayfield. So he's got a little bit of a little bit of swagger to him, which I think he's already better than his brother Joey Bosa is, who I think is a little bit overrated. So I think if Nick Bosa can continue on this trajectory, they're going to be calling Joey Bosa Nick's, little, Nick's brother as opposed to the other way around. And then most improved player, I went with Shaquille Barrett on this one. When he before he, when he was with Denver, he was just like, oh, he's a pretty good player. He's not bad, not getting a lot of playing time. But now he's with Tampa Bay. He is one of their few bright spots. He is tied for the league lead in sacks. He's forcing fumbles. He's not the biggest line. He's not the biggest defensive end slash linebacker. But he's just a hustle, strong, fast player. And he, honestly, I feel like Denver really wishes they had kept him because when he's with Denver, I think he had like. 14 sacks in four years something along those lines he's got 11 and a half this year and he's even got an interception he's even forced some fumbles as well i think he's up to four forced fumbles this year honestly he's one of the few bright spots for tampa bay besides mike evans and he could be a building block for them for years to come and then coach of the year this could be basically this could be uh sean payton really easily winning five games with your backup quarterback but i'm gonna go with kyle shanahan Two years ago, before they got Jimmy Garoppolo, they had one win. Last year, they had they basically finished to get the second pick in the draft. Now this year, they are 8-1 and one with their lone loss coming in overtime to Seattle in a game where neither team really played all that great. And I, I just, when you look at what the coaching job he's done, the way he's brought in players, his ability to scheme things left and right. I mean, George Kittle was a sensation last year. This year, he hasn't been as strong, but they haven't missed a beat. Tevin Coleman was a backup in Atlanta. Now he's a monster. Matt Burita was pretty good last year. Now he's a, now teams are fearing him in the open field. He just has a way to take whatever he's given and make it work. And on top of that, this defense is one of the best in the league. And he has some. I know he's an offensive guy, but he has something to do with that. Rallying the team, bringing in his staff, bringing in his staff that he wants to coach the coach the defense. I think Kyle Shanahan has my vote for coach of the year so far. Now we're going to go down to college football. All the hype this last year was all about Alabama, LSU, and rightfully so. But in the FCS League, there's a game with kind of similar implications as the Montana Grizzlies take on Weber State, the two teams at the top of the Big Sky Conference. And in the FCS rankings, it's number three versus number five. For those of you who aren't aware, the FCS does do like a playoff tournament format, kind of like what we wish they would do in in Division I. The Grizz are ranked number five. Weber State's ranked number three. The Grizz kind of depend on their all-conference level quarterback and who missed some games this year, and they luckily were able to bounce back and win some games without him. But Dalton Sneed's been a high-level, he was Big Sky Player of the Year or Player of the Week several times early in the season. He can run, he can throw the offense, more or less moves a lot through him. And the backup quarterback came in and showed he can, he can handle the ship too. He threw six touchdowns, a couple picks, ran a little bit. But when he's on and clicking, they're one of the toughest teams to beat. He spreads the ball around. They have several receivers with multiple touchdowns. They have a couple with close to 1,000 yards, plus he's one of their top three rushers. Their lead running back's getting close to 1,000 yards. He has 16 touchdowns. Once they get in the red zone, they just punch it in. No worries. They looks like they have 26 rushing touchdowns, 23 passing touchdowns. They really put the ball in the end zone. 
And then on defense, a guy you'll probably be saying playing on Sundays coming up soon, Dante Olsen. He has over 120 tackles already, eight of them for a loss. He's got, I think, three sacks. He's got an interception. The dude's been outstanding. He's been a sensation on the defensive side of the ball for the last couple of years. He's a dude that you will see playing play on Sunday. Plus, they got a lot of young players in the secondary as well as in the front line. They've been a team that's really come together, and I don't think anyone's thought they could win once their quarterback got hurt, but they did not miss a beat, and now that he's coming back and be getting relatively healthy, they can make a deep playoff run. And then Weber State, their team can be their entire offense can be summarized as run, run, and when you're down, run it again. And then you look at they have three running backs over 300 yards. One of them's close to 1,000 at just under 900. Another one has basically 10 touchdowns with – and then they have a, the guy in the middle who's averaging, looks like he's averaging just under five yards a carry. He's at, they're about forty-five yards a game, ninety-six yards a game, thirty-six yards a game. They basically just—it's practically a wishbone without running the wishbone. They could just plug people in and just run nonstop. Their quarterback play has been pretty good. They have nine total touchdowns between two guys passing, but they've been able to just control the clock with twenty-four rushing touchdowns on the season, while only giving up six to their opponents. And then defensively, they, they've given up a total of 19 touchdowns. They've scored over 30. They kind of, they're like Nate Diaz. What Nate Diaz does in fighting, they do that in football where it's like patter, patter, shot, 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 shot. They don't hit you. With, they don't throw knockout shots. They just constantly pressure you, constantly hit you with those quote-unquote body shots and fast-paced shots until you just wear down. And it kind of shows And when you look at some of the scores in their games. I mean, 41-24 to 24 over Cal Poly, 29-17 over fourth-ranked Northern Iowa. Then fifty-one to twenty-eight over Arizona, and then sixth-ranked Sacramento State, thirty-six to seventeen. It's usually pretty close in the first half, and then they just wear you down and they take you out late. Just it gets exhausting trying to tackle their running backs for that for four straight quarters. And they got a big, strong offensive line and a very controlling defense. They don't give up. They get more first downs. They get more big plays. They don't give up a whole lot of big plays. They're your prototypical old-school running, control the clock type team. So basically, the winner of this game. Is all but is a lock for the playoffs. They basically take the BC or the Big Sky Conference Championship and will probably be ranked number three team behind James Madison, North Dakota State. And then the loser still probably has a good chance to get in towards the bottom of the playoff bracket, but it's a long road getting in that way. You'll probably have to deal with one of those three teams right off the top. So this game has huge implications, and the winner could be in control of their own destiny going forward. And then we go to the hardwood now for some NBA basketball. The season's about 12 to 13 games in for most teams, and we are starting to get a little bit of a feel for some of these teams, what we'll see going forward. One thing I noticed is the Rockets might actually be for real. Westbrook and Harding can score on just about anybody. Westbrook is an absolute bullet coming down up and down the court. And in the fast break, I don't think there's a better team just because you have Westbrook and Harden. Harden, when he's allowed to just sit there and play one-on-one with a power forward after a bunch of screens, to dribble, 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 step back, travel, shoot, or dribble, 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 blow by, get fouled. He's the best, probably the best score we've seen since a prime Kobe Bryant in that regard. The shooting percentages between the two of them are not very good. They're like 41% and 37%, something along those lines. So they're going to have to up their efficiency if they want to make a deep playoff run. But as far as the regular season goes, they're a very strong candidate to get the number one or number two seed in the West. I just, they play every night. Everyone's just kind of content on that team with Capella getting the rebounds and then those two dominating the ball. There's everyone. The role pieces on that team have been an absolutely fantastic fit for those type of players. 
and what they did to the Clippers last night, Harden dropping nearly 50 and getting hot in the fourth quarter. If that's a sign of things to come, the Rockets can they can have a lot of home playoff games coming up here. And then we have to talk, as we everyone has to, we'll talk about the Lakers. They took it to Golden State last night. The one thing we learned, at least for me that I've learned so far this season about them, is they might be the best half-court offense in basketball. With LeBron playing point, he can just get in the post, look over a smaller guy, and he kind of seems to wait till Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, someone like that gets in position in the paint, then just throws an alley-oop because they're one of the biggest teams we've seen in years. You have three to four quality starting centers that are all in the 6'10", the 7-foot range. So they, they can honestly just throw oops almost like it's NBA 2K for easy buckets. And with Kyle Kuzma coming back, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, they can space the floor, find some outside shots. And once Rondo comes in, they'll be able to run the fast break because right now LeBron just kind of jogs the ball up the court, doesn't use any unnecessary energy. So once they get that fast break game going and the way they've been playing half-court offense, I can see them averaging like 110 points a game, something along those lines. They could be an offensive force down the stretch of the season if, as long as everyone stays healthy and doesn't have to load manage too much. And then in last week's episode when I did award predictions, I had Damian Lillard as my MVP because I thought the Blazers would have the cohesion that a lot of their players are back with some small with some additions, that they might be a team that can contend for a top four seed and Lillard was going to put up fantastic numbers and just because of playing that much and having a high seeding, he'd be a contender for MVP. Well, 50% of that was correct. Damon Lillard is playing outstanding. He's averaging over 30 points a game, seven assists. He looks like Steph Curry did. He looks like a mix between Steph Curry's first MVP and his second one. The way he's putting up the points, the efficiency, the way he's controlling the team, just controlling the games. But as a team, they just can't seem to pull together wins. They're like four and eight. Hassan Whiteside's been pretty good, but nothing, not what they were hoping for. C.J. McCollum hasn't really regressed, but he hasn't taken a step forward. He doesn't look like a second option. He looks just like a role player right now. Missing Zach Collins is really hurting them. Their front court depth is really thin now. Rodney Hood hasn't been able to recapture some of that playoff magic from last year. They just It's basically the Dame show, and then everyone else is being contained, so they're not able to pick up wins and down the stretch. They just don't have enough firepower, it looks like. And in the West, you can't really you got to get it picked up soon because otherwise they might be in danger of missing the playoffs with Lillard averaging 32 points and six, assists, six seven assists. So while Lillard's holding up his end of the deal for my MVP prediction, I'm starting to get worried the team might not be able to balance it out. So he'll be one of those guys that puts up a bunch of numbers on a losing team. Then you look at Trey Young, who's been absolutely sensational. He's been putting up huge numbers for the Hawks. He looks like a baby Steph Curry as well that they mentioned. Anyone who doubted him, he's basically making them look kind of silly right now. I don't think it's going to manifest itself into a big playoff run for them but they can make an eighth seed type of run i mean missing john collins hurts but the way trey young's playing i think they can at least maintain maintain the ship until he gets back and maybe make a late surge for that seventh eighth spot in the east but they're not taking out teams like the bucks or the celtics or any of them right now but it's been insane to see trey young basically transition from oklahoma to the nba and not really miss too much Well, that's all for this Thursday's edition of the Checkdown on the High Low Sports Podcast. Kelsey and I will be back on Sunday. We'll be talking some of our awards as well as we'll compare some of our awards as well as talk about what's going on in the world of sports. All right. Thanks for tuning in.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. Ready.